Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. In today's episode, our guest is Tammy Gustafson, and she shares her story of sexual betrayal in her marriage and the healing and restoration that followed. Through her journey of healing from such trauma, she developed what she calls the betrayal healing phases, which are reveal, rumble, resolution, and rebuild. Tammy wrestled with how to return to God after betrayal, when and how to forgive her husband, and God's call on her life to help other wives. If you are a wife facing similar struggles, today's conversation will give you hope. To learn more about Tammy and the counseling and courses she offers, visit BetrayalHealing.com. For more resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation. Well, all right, Tammy Gustafson, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it was uh, it was totally cool, in my opinion, in terms of how our paths crossed, because I get this unique email that I had, I'd never seen an email like that before, where there's this, there's your, your face is looking at me, and then you're actually like talking, and then there's a video of you introducing yourself, and I thought, okay, that that's kind of a cool program, um, <laughs> but it was really cool to have you connect with us and let us know about your um, uh, counseling and coaching and some of the things that you're doing to help betrayed wives, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I wanted to have you on the program because you have a story of your own journey of healing from betrayal, and then also you now have a counseling and coaching practice. And I would just love for you to kind of unpack that story and how you got into this space of, of helping other wives who are traveling a similar path. Yeah, absolutely. So my journey started, my husband and I have been married for 16 years now. And when we were dating, I actually grew up as a, I, I grew up in the theater. I was a theater major in college and had no counseling, wasn't even on my radar. And while we were dating, my husband really encouraged me like, hey, why don't you try this? So we uh, were early on in marriage. Uh, he was a youth pastor at the time. And so we decided we were going to launch in. And, you know, those first years we moved out to Denver. I went to Denver Seminary, got my counseling degree here. Life, I thought, was good. I thought, gosh, we... In my very naive and perhaps prideful way, I thought, boy, we have a perfect marriage. This is great. Like we are moving forward in life. And so for the first 10 years, uh, we we moved to Colorado. I went to school. I got became a counselor. I was focused on trauma. My husband was a youth pastor and an associate pastor. We started having kids. And I thought everything was great. And then about 10 years into marriage... My husband was going to take a pastorate position in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest. And we started talking about, you know, oh my gosh, there's nothing to do and cell phones. And so for whatever reason in that conversation, uh, I just felt prompted in the moment to say like, huh, that raises some flags to me. Have you looked at porn? Because that's a concern with some of these cell phones. And he said, Yes. And I had no idea. I had no idea. Never caught him, never suspected anything. And so he told me a tiny little bit, and then that was it. 
And he cried, I cried. He said he would never do it again. And so we went on with life. We moved forward. He became a pastor. And for the next year, it just never quite felt settled. And so it was kind of this low-grade rumbling. And so a year later is when we finally lean into everything. And that's really when life blew up. That was really the start of our, that was D-Day for us. That was the start of our healing journey. Yeah. So we went through, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, we went through and for the next, my, my approach to this process, because nobody prepares you for betrayal, you have no idea how to heal from this. You don't, everything you thought was true suddenly feels like a lie, of course. And so we started going through this. We had a drip disclosure process, a very painful disclosing process, followed up with a polygraph. And I was really in the mindset that life stops. Life stops until we get this taken care of. And and we are either going to end up divorced or he is going to get clean and sober and be on that path. And, And I'm grateful to say that he did lean in. We had a lot of great help along the way, but he dove in. Uh, and there were times where I was actually exhausted watching him work. So that, that, that was our process, but we hung on for a long time. And we, he was a senior pastor at the time. And so the whole process of how that played out as a pastor's wife uh, in the public eye and with the church uh, that's probably a whole nother podcast in and of itself, but it was, it was a very tricky, difficult process. Well, that probably added a whole nother layer to the issue of betrayal and shame and, you know, that, that might not be present for a wife who is not in the public eye in that way. Um, not saying that either one is better or worse. It's like they're both awful and terrible and painful, but um, talk about how you, what did it look like for you to begin to understand and enter into a place where you realized, I, I have to go on a journey of healing here. And what did that look like for you? How did you begin and, and get into that process of actual healing? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I leaned in uh, pretty quickly to my anger into my emotions, which was new for me because I grew up in a conservative Christian church where anger for women is like the 11th command or the 11th, uh, thou shall not be angry. So that was probably my first step was really being able to give myself permission to feel my anger and to feel my emotions and to express those. And it was not always pretty. Um, And so But doing that in the public eye of the church was very difficult. Um, Mm. There was the culture there was, you know, it'll take about six months. You fake it till you make it and then you should be fine. So there was some there was a little bit of grace and leniency for me in the beginning, but it very quickly became uh, where they were very concerned about me and where I became vilified in the process. So they actually didn't have a lot of problem with what my husband had done, uh, unfortunately. And so they kept him in the pulpit. And so I ended up having to leave that church because at that point I desperately needed to connect with God. And, and the only way I, he felt very silent in that time. And the only way 
I knew how to do that in that time was through worship. So I actually drove 64 miles away because remember, small town, middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. 64 miles away and would would go to a different church and worship there and connect with God. And somebody actually saw me there and called our church. So it very quickly became the concern and the focus was on me. And so that actually, I think, sped up my process of healing because it forced me to lean into uh, my pain. It forced me, it connected me with a lot of areas, perhaps of my past in childhood where those buttons were pushed. And so I had to lean in deep into healing and into my support system. And they really kept my head above water. I was in a group and man, those calls, oh my gosh, they, they kept my heart beating. They kept me going. Mm-hmm. So I think that was my initial steps for the healing process. When did you hear the words betrayal trauma put together? Had you ever heard that kind of uh, language before? And maybe when you started to hear some of that, if, if you did in part of your healing, what did that do for helping to maybe define what you were experiencing and then start to give you language and vision for where you needed to go in order to experience healing from betrayal trauma? Well, you know, trauma is an interesting word because it's near and dear to my heart because I'm a trauma therapist. So at Mm -hmm. that point in time, I had been a a trauma-informed therapist specializing in that with women for probably five years or so. So I actually didn't necessarily connect with that term um, for a while into the process. I I definitely connected with betrayal, but I think... I, I think it took me a little while to to realize, ooh, that is that is what's going on with me, uh, and that I I don't know why sometimes when we're in the thick of it, it's hard to see clearly of ourselves. But the trauma piece I think is helpful because it validates a lot of the emotions in the and the symptoms that that I went through that wives went through, and it gives a very gracious and truthful expression of the pain. Uh, and I, I'm, I talk to so many wives where it's like, you are not crazy. Like this is normal. What you're feeling is normal. What's going on in your brain is normal. And I think when we can adopt that lens of betrayal trauma and look at it through there, it just gives so many explanations that can take some of the shame out of the wives and feeling mm-hmm. crazy. How would how would you say this journey for you and maybe for your husband as well has um, reformed or uh, renewed your faith in ways that maybe you hadn't expected or did, certainly didn't think this was the way they would be reformed or renewed? That is a big question. I love it. My I I went on a deep journey with God through this, and it was a bumpy ride. Um, so when we, we ended up, my husband ended up resigning from that church, uh, because really kind of their, their stance towards me. And so we moved to Colorado and at that point in time, my husband couldn't get a job because he was a pastor. There were not a lot of immediate transferable skills. I had to wait for my counseling license to transfer. So there was no work. Like we had, he, he was working as a painter for 15 or $15 an hour and we had 
three kids and I was about to give birth to our fourth. Wow. So there was a, a financial tanking that went on that, um, that really impacted my connection with God because at one point in time, I felt like, God, I've trusted you to do this for me, or I've trusted you for this. And now at this point in time, I don't feel like you're living up to our agreements because this is not how I view you taking care of me to look like. And so I really struggled with God in this. And I, I wrestled, I leaned in and I wrestled with God and God is very gracious and kind in that wrestling. He was for me and I know he is for others. And so it taught me on a deep level to surrender It taught me on a deep level to surrender of, you know what, it's not trusting God to do something. It's not trusting God for something. It is just trusting. And what I found in that moment between the betrayal and the shattering of the heartbreak and then the financial um, crisis really that we went through for a period of time is that, man, I I experienced God in a much deeper, uh, more pure way. Uh, so there, so, so I think it was like this, this dip that I went through with God, but even now I, as I talk with my clients, this is a conversation we have a lot is how do you find your way back to God after betrayal? Mm -hmm. Because I think there's few wives that go through this process who are believers who don't have a crisis of faith, who aren't sure if they're going to come out the other side, who have wounds from the church. I had deep wounds from the church after what we went through. Mm -hmm. And so Picking those apart and and focusing on how do we hear God again? How do you attach? How do you trust God again? What does that look like when life may not go exactly how you want it to go? And it yeah, did not you know, go. One of the th- words that you said that, that kind of alerted me and I thought, how would a wife right now who maybe is on the front end of this journey even be able to connect with that word because it would seem so scary. You said surrender. And what we've heard over year after year from so many wives that contact our ministry for help is there is a sense in which their whole, the, the rug has been ripped out from under them and they're grasping at anything to feel a sense of security, safety, you know, normalcy. And so a lot of times the last thing on their mind is anything to do with surrender, even if that means to God. So can you talk a little bit about what that dip really looked like for you? Talk about wrestling with God. How would you encourage a woman right now who is maybe on the front end of her own season of wrestling with God to press through in it? Because it's it would be easy to bail out. It'd be easy to just, you know, run away and do all kinds of things that we've seen women do to that I think are valid in the sense of they're responding to pain, but they they might have consequences later that are worse than what they expected than what you're talking about in terms of like pressing into some of the pain of wrestling with God. Can you talk about that a little bit more? You know, I, yes. And my answer is I would not tell women to surrender as counter, as odd as that sounds, because I think until you are at that place where your heart is ready to It's not something you can force yourself to do. Mm. And I think it can add to the shame and guilt to feel like I need to, I just should trust God. I'm a bad Christian. If I don't, I need to surrender. But until I I feel like surrender is one of those organic things that 
when you're there and you feel um, the Holy Spirit move you in that way, you can step into that. But that's a wait and trust. And so the thing I would tell wives on the front end is it will feel like God is totally silent and it will feel like God is not there and hold on because he is, Mm -hmm. but it's going to take time to see it. It's going to take time to see it. Would you liken that a little bit also to the way that sometimes the issue of forgiveness is dealt with in the sense of within the church, this idea of, hey, we're commanded to forgive. As Christ is forgiving you, you must forgive. And can you talk a little bit about that, paralleling a little bit of what you're talking about now, that there's a process through which your soul, your heart, your mind has to go through in order for you to get to certain strategic points in which those kinds of decisions can be made. How would you talk through the issue of forgiveness in that same kind of way to the wife who is feeling that pressure, you know, the wives out there that may be feeling that pressure of like, I know what the Bible says and I know what my pastor says and I know all these things. And yet they're so broken and they're just not maybe to want to the point where they are ready to actually forgive. Yes. So I I get very fired up about this topic of forgiveness because I think this is one of the ways that wives get beat up. Uh, And there's so much pressure feeling like, well, if you forgive, everything's going to be fine. You know, they Mm. might get that from their husband too. Well, if you just forgive me and you trust me, we're going to be fine. The reality is what I tell wives, especially in those early phases of healing, now it's not the time to forgive. It is not the time to forgive that forgiveness. If you lean in and you are open to the Holy Spirit, God will get you to a place where you are ready to forgive and you can trust that. But in the beginning phases, it's not time. And I think there is a process of one. I think forgiveness comes on the other side of anger. I think forgiveness comes on the other side of disclosure as best you can to know what you're forgiving. But I think there just needs to be, this is a place where healing from betrayal is incredibly counterintuitive in a lot of ways. And this is one of those places of it's okay to take a break, to take a breath. It's okay to trust yourself in the, especially in the beginning, your job is to, to get healing, to get truth, to lean in. And as you process and heal and grieve, you will get to a place where forgiveness comes in. And I can, I, I wait for it with wives because I see it because one week they'll come in, they'll come into my group or they'll come into counseling or coaching and they're like, I think I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I think I'm ready to forgive. And so it, yeah. it comes organically. It comes naturally. So now you talk about uh, coaching and counseling and all of that. Um, how did that transition happen to then uh, where you started doing this specifically as a vocation um, for, for helping wives? When did that transition uh, it, happen? Well, it happened with a lot of kicking and screaming. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> this, this When I went through this, I did not want to tell anybody. I was like, I do not want to help anybody. My mm-hmm. story can die a thousand deaths. Like I that my my initial thing was to shut down and to not talk to anybody. So little by little, God would open doors. And so I had the opportunity to start facilitating a group. 
And so that door opened and I decided to walk through that. And then a a coaching opportunity or speaking opportunity would open the door. But really, that was a process of deep God again wrestling and moving my heart to the point now where I am passionate about coming alongside wives in the trenches. So really the shift, I still, I have a counseling practice and a coaching. I still do a lot of trauma and PTSD and EMDR. This has become my, this has become my passion and my calling, but that was probably over the course of the last five years that that's really happened. Mm -hmm. So as part of this, you have uh, kind of developed what you call your betrayal healing phases. Can you kind of uh, outline those for us and and help us understand what each of those phases means and and maybe how they could be helpful to a wife who is maybe just discovering that her husband has been unfaithful in some way um, or maybe she's stuck in the process along the way. Uh, how can these phases help a wife heal? Absolutely. So I developed the the betrayal healing phases over the last couple of years, not only for my own journey, but walking wives through it and realizing there are very consistent patterns of healing. And I think this is the beauty of certainly of counseling and of coaching, but patterns make things more manageable and it can give a footing and a grounding. So really it's the, the four phases are the 30,000 foot view of healing saying, Hey, there is a path through healing. It is possible to heal from betrayal. It is possible to get to the other side, whether that's with your husband or without your husband, but there is a way through. And so the four phases, the first one is reveal. The second one is rumble. The third is resolution. And the fourth is rebuild. So what this does is it walks a wife through the process Uh, really of her marriage healing and of her healing. So the first phase is looking at the disclosure, the reveal or the disclosure time where she has found out what's going on with her husband, or she's trying to get a full disclosure at that point. And the thing that is helpful, in my opinion, with these phases is it gives wives the permission to rest and be in that phase and go in this phase. You only need to worry about these things. You need to worry about getting help. You need to worry about uh, getting disclosure, you know, as best you can to get the truth. You need to start looking at your safety and boundaries. And there's things in each phase of not to do. And this is where we were talking about forgiveness. Phase one is not the time to focus on forgiveness. Phase one is not the time to focus on rebuilding trust. It's not even the time to focus on helping him which can be hard for wives. Mm -hmm. And so each phase kind of helps not only show what validate where they're at, but also here's the main things to look at. Here's the main things. It'll come later, but you don't have to worry about that right now. So that's phase one. Phase two for rumble, that is the deep, long work of waiting to see if he's going to do the work to get sober and heal. And during this time, a wife is focusing on the the heartbreak and the what am I going to do? This is a time of finding her voice, setting more of those boundaries, really leaning into those grieving, which includes the anger. It includes the sadness. And it's her process of um, really kind of getting her feet underneath her during that time. Mm-hmm. 
So the the third phase is resolution. And this does not mean that this is the end of the process, because as you and I both know, this the healing goes on sure. for a long time and in many different stages, phases. But for this third one, it's really where, based on his work over the last however amount of months or however long, it's it's pretty clear the direction the marriage is headed. And so usually there's three paths that the the marriage falls into, and that's either redemption, where it's moving towards healing, or roommates, where the wife has decided that she's not going to leave, but he's really not doing the work, not fully. And then the third one would be divorce. And then the final phase is where all wives kind of, or all women at that point come back together. And that is really where the focus shifts from the marriage or uh, her husband or her ex-husband. And it focuses now on her kind of surveying the damage, picking up the pieces, focusing on rebuilding life one block at a time sometimes, and focusing like, what do I want my future to look like? Because it's not my, my future has taken a dramatic shift, whether the marriage is healed or divorced or in between, but what, what do I want my life to look like from here on out? And Mm -hmm. all women come back together in that fourth phase. Yeah. And you talk, you, you mentioned about how, you know, uh, healing is ongoing. How can you, how would you frame that in a sense where a wife wouldn't feel like healing, even though it's ongoing, must always look like it does in this stage. Can you speak to the the hope of healing, even yes. though there are seasons in which maybe additional healing or new growth or whatever is still part of the journey? Because I can, I see this sometimes when we're dealing with men and we talk about recovery and we're like, hey, you know what? There's going to be elements and challenges that you're going to be facing for your whole life. But we also try to let them know it's not always going to look like the first stage of recovery. It doesn't always have to be at that level of intensity. So can you talk a little bit about the hope in healing, even though there's ongoing work that may be down the road that she can't even see yet? Absolutely. I think especially for wives in those first two phases, especially when it's early on, it's just really important to hear that it won't always be like this. It Mm. won't always hurt this much. The triggers won't always be this strong. And over time, it does shift and change. And especially, I mean, there's such a period of wrestling, but you start to get your feet underneath you. You start to get people around you that you can lean on. You start to realize that this is actually not my fault. You start to be able to set some boundaries where you can have some emotional safety. And there is a a growing and a strengthening and a building that can happen with wives in this process. Uh, especially in those first couple of phases. And then in phase three and four, where, where the marriage is starting to shift, that is different too, because they're, at that point in time, the intensity is usually a lot less. And you can start to see the hope for the future. You start to get um, a vision of what life could be like. And then ongoing beyond that, like I... Maybe an easier way of saying this, two things that come up. I often talk to wives about triggers because triggers are so, boy, they can just take you out. Mm -hmm. And what I tell them, and this is an example of all aspects of healing, is that triggers will, over time, they will get less. They will get less severe. They won't last as long. uh, They won't happen as often. You'll be able to recover faster. And 
eventually they can actually become an invitation of intimacy because it can be a place of like, if there's healing in the marriage in particular of, Hey honey, I'm triggered right now. Like I'm triggered and this is why, and he can lean in and he can help. Mm -hmm. So there can be the very thing that causes pain in the beginning can become a beautiful, not fun. Triggers are never fun, but a beautiful area of intimacy. And they can also become an area. Like I like to say that triggers are spotlights on areas that still need healing. So they can become an invitation of like, Ooh, that's an area I've got to lean into. Like I've got to lean into and do a little bit more work on that because it's still a little raw. So it shifts. Yeah. I love what you're saying there because it's almost like you're saying, you know, the very things that scare you to death about vulnerability on the front end of healing can actually be some of the very same things that that vulnerability can actually bring more closeness as the marriage heals, as you start to understand your pain better, you start to walk through it. Um, uh, so I love that because I think um, it, for any of us who have traveled this road in our own marriages and we've seen that healing, we've seen the growth, we can totally testify to what you're talking about, about the, the very things that used to be um, grounded in fear are now the, some of the very same things that have invited us into solidifying the oneness in our marriages and solidifying being able to talk about things in a way that we never spoke about them before. As we have a few minutes left, can you share a little bit about what that has even looked like for you in your own marriage of going from maybe a, a type of communication and connection that you had prior to this with your husband and what has that looked like over these last few years in terms of now that you've come on the other side of this healing? Yeah, well, I'm so, I'm very grateful um, for the healing that has taken place. I look at our marriage now. I thought our marriage was perfect, right? I was like, whew, we've got a perfect marriage in the beginning. I look back now and I didn't even see then, but wow, there was so much pride. There was so much disconnection. There was only a degree of authenticity. Um, there were some of those uh, just negative patterns that I think are so common in all of them. But having gone through this and having and my giving my husband a lot of credit, he has done so much so much work in this process. Where now we we have a more authentic relationship now, where we really do talk about everything, and there is a gentleness and an authenticity and a tenderness in him that has developed not in not in spite of but because of all of this. Um, that I that I'm very proud of him for now. Mm. It doesn't mean there's not scars in our marriage, but but it's beautiful. And I would say from my own growth and healing, uh, we, we laugh because I'm a very different person than I was in the beginning. I, through this process, I found my strength. I found my strength. I found my voice. Uh, I was able to lean in and start a couple businesses that I never would have before. There are, I am a fuller actually version of myself now than mm -hmm. I was prior to that. So it is, it is possible. And I think especially for the wives, if wives are listening, whose husbands didn't do the work and didn't make it, there is still that same opportunity of growth and healing and becoming uh, a more full version and healthier version of yourself, uh, even if your husband doesn't. 
So, but the, the other side uh, of the healing and leaning through all that grief and all the personal work uh, can be really beautiful. Mm. Well, Tammy, this has been a great conversation. Where can our listeners go to um, learn more or just maybe even take some next steps on their own journey of healing? Absolutely. Probably best way is to connect with me on my website, which is betrayalhealing.com. There's ways to reach me and I have some courses there and uh, coaching and other ways that we can connect. Well, and you had also mentioned to me off air that you have a quiz on your website. Can you give that link as well um, or how ladies could find that? Yeah, and that quiz is specifically for the betrayal healing phases that that we mentioned. And so within a few minutes, wives can go in and uh, figure out where exactly they are and then get a lot of encouragement, some next steps, some resources. So they can uh, you can access that at betrayalhealing.com forward slash quiz. Yeah, and we'll be sure to, to put all those uh, links in the show notes and Uh, But Tammy, thank you for uh, being willing to, even if it was reluctant at first, to step into this space and to share your story (laughs) and be open to letting other um, wives just uh, learn from the things that you've experienced. And thanks for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, listeners, um, we are so glad that you're with us. Uh, We can't continue to do this work without you. So um, uh, we are a listener-supported program, so if you would be willing to go to our website at puresexradio.com and click on the donate link, we'd be so thankful. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.